Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd. March is Women's History Month. Let's celebrate us. As women, we put our heart and soul into everything we do. Release the Pressure is here to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. I'm inviting you to help us get 100,000 Black women to learn more about their heart health. Go to www.releasethepressure.org and take the pledge to prioritize your heart health. That's www.releasethepressure.org. You are valuable. Learn more about your heart health today. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results. Made just for us. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip to the professional-grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girlbomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb, available at Walgreens. Take it from me, being a woman online isn't always fun. Sometimes it get trolls, stalkers, and harassers. That's why I personally use and recommend Delete Me. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter nogirls at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash nogirls and we'll see you on the internet. So much stickier than most people talk about. They're just like, oh, the social media. And I'm like, oh my God, it's not that easy. It's not that simple. <laughs> there Are No Girls on the Internet is a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is There Are No Girls on the Internet. I don't think I have to tell you that social media and the internet has changed the way our relationships work, and in turn, the way we feel about those relationships. Now, if you've ever been scrolling through social media, feeling like everyone you know is out at brunch or going on a beautiful wine tour with their close-knit group of girlfriends while you're home alone again, then you know exactly what I mean. But it's more than that, too. The rising cost of everything can leave us feeling like we spend all of our time working so that when we're not working, rather than spending time with friends, we just want to be recovering from all that work. Not to mention the pandemic. When COVID happened, I kind of felt like I forgot how to make friends. Everything just got so much harder, and on top of it, we're all exhausted. So yes, it's social media, but it's also everything. This is Lane Moore's domain. Lane is a comedian and author whose work examines how people's relationships are shaped by the internet. Her hit show, Tinder Live, recreates the chaos and calamity of swiping on a dating app IRL in front of a live audience. Her book, How to Be Alone, is a bestseller. And her new book, You Will Find Your People, examines the role meaningful relationships play in our lives. Because even though we're often told to build our whole selves and whole lives around romantic partnerships, What if we treated friendships as the center of our lives, too? So, Lane, I have to sort of start by just generally where the work began for you. You make live comedy and art, and and you write about things like connection, particularly online. How did this come to be? How did you come to be someone who thought critically about how we are forming relationships? Well, you know, uh, what they often say is true, which is that, you know, there's that phrase, I don't know if you've heard it, but it's like the 
the healer's wound is often their gift. And I feel like that's that's where it comes from. You know, I, I there's no other way to sugarcoat it. It's not just like, I always thought connection was interesting. My relationships were always really easy and great. I never struggled ever. No, I was interested in it because, you know, I had a really rough time growing up. I was on my own for almost my entire life. And so, you know, I, I, I really longed for that sense of community and connection and this like sense of family and friendships and all these things that I was seeing on TV that I didn't necessarily feel in my life. Um, and I felt so alone through most of my life because I was like, oh, I'm seeing on TV and in media and all these things, everyone has the best family ever. Everyone has the best friends ever. And, you know, everybody has the best romantic partners. Of course, I wasn't thinking about that. Maybe it's six, but still, you know, you're seeing everybody has it but you. And, you know, I looked at it, fortunately, uh, from a place of curiosity as a, as a kid even, where I was just like, hmm, how do other people's families work? How do marriages work? How do other people's friendships work? I just... Part of it, I think, was interested in just interested in how people connect, how they or they don't. Um, and, you know, just wanting that very deeply. Also, I'm, I'm sure that's where that curiosity came from. So now I, I so much of this work that I do is because now that I'm an adult and now that I've written several books and comedy shows and all these things, I know I'm not the only one who has struggled like this and who has felt like nobody gets this. It must just, must just be me struggle with that kind of shame that, oh, if I'm the only one struggling with this, I'm bad. I'm unworthy. All this stuff we do to ourselves that I've done to myself. Uh, so yeah, it really came from some real shit, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, I saw a picture on your Instagram that was like the balloons and it spelled out, um, you've got a funny personality. Thanks. It's all the trauma. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's that's so spot on. <laughs> so when you were young, maybe you felt like you didn't have the family connections that you saw on TV. You know, yeah. as you got older, did you feel the same thing about kind of the friendship connections and the romantic oh, yeah. connections that, that oh. you were seeing kind of all around you that didn't match what you actually felt like you had in your life? Absolutely. For so long, I, I was just like, and I wanted it so deeply. I was such a empathetic, open person who just wanted these deep connections so much. So, you know, it was very strange for me. And especially too, you know, one of the things that I realized as well when I would go to school and I'd be like, oh, well, I'm going to like make my chosen family here. Yeah, I've heard that's real. And then you go there and you're like, oh, no, everybody kind of needs you to act a certain way. There's all these unspoken ways that you're supposed to be a person. And I always felt like I was too, too much. I always felt like I was a little too much. I felt things very deeply and I was very sensitive and very expressive and uh, those people are not usually super popular <laughs> at that age. That's not, you know, you're supposed to be kind of cool and aloof and, you know, never struggle with mental health stuff. Like that is not an age to be different or way too mature for your age. That's none of that stuff is appreciated. Yeah. yeah. I, 
often think about how much time in my life I spent pretending to be like really chill or to even not have feelings, you know, Mm -hmm. both in my relationships with family and friends and then especially in romantic relationships when you're like in your 20s. I don't know who out there is telling women like, What men want is someone who is super aloof, doesn't make attachments, is chill, Uh and that's what you need to be, even if everything inside of you is is screaming that how you're not chill and how you do want attachments and how you do care a lot about this. And so you want it, you have expectations, you have needs. Heaven forbid you be a 20-year-old woman looking for a man and have needs (laughs) that you have articulated. It's like the worst, like you may as well climb into a grave and die. Yes. No. And it's, it's so, so I, I talk about this in my first book was called how to be alone if you want to. And even if you don't and explored so much of this. Um, and there's a whole chapter where I literally go on a rant that is exactly in line with everything you're saying, because it is so correct. And the, the, the thing that I talk about is how ridiculous that is for multiple reasons. One, because we should be allowed to be the totality of ourselves and be lovable. That's ridiculous. And we're told that that that's true, but also be smaller, be less, be less of you. But the other thing that's so crazy to me when I was writing that that rant with just as much justified passion uh, is I realized that we're showing women and people all these TV shows and movies where they're like swept away on this like romantic, super over the top, you know, vacations and flowers and courting. And yet we get to adulthood and so many men are just like, what? I'm not going to do that stuff. You're going to come to my roof and you're going to eat an old burrito and you're going to love it. And if you don't, I'm going to break up with you. Like what? No. I'm going to call you crazy and needy. I'm going to call you crazy and needy. Sorry. I've been raised to believe that there would be courting and love. Like this is something I have been ranting about for so long because I was always a hopeless romantic. I think most people are like, even when you're cynical, I think a lot of people are cynical because they were really romantic and they got disappointed a lot. That's fair. But who doesn't want love? Who doesn't want somebody to gush and be excited and try to make you feel really loved and special? Like, it's so disgusting how many men have tried to make you feel like you're a demon for wanting basic care. (laughs) How much unrealistic expectation do you think that we absorb from media and the internet and like, you know, all of that just out in the air. So much, so much. And that's, you know, that's so much of what, that's so much of what I talk about, um, you know, it in the first book, that's what, that's so much of what I talk about when it comes to your family members and also what it means to be alone, what it means to be a woman who's alone. Because we, you know, we say two things. We're like, oh, she's so independent. And we're also like, and a loser. Like it's, it's like, <laughs> we're saying all these things. So you can't pretend we're not saying them. And then in the second book, you know, talking about friendship and all this stuff, so much of what I learned from friendship was from pop culture. I was told that, you know, we were all gonna, me and my friends were all gonna meet up every single day at the latest hot restaurant at noon and we never needed a calendar like on Sex in the City. I was told that, you know, we were all gonna live together or at least really close by like in Living Single or New Girl. Like that doesn't happen. We live in different neighborhoods. It could take you an hour to get to your friends. Like there, and I, it's hard not to internalize that because you see that as a kid or as an adult, and you're like, I want that. I'm sure I'll get that soon. 
And then it doesn't happen like that. And you're like, what did I do wrong? And I don't think we did anything wrong. I really, I really don't. I think, you know, there's always things you can do to improve that, but that's so much of, yeah, I've internalized a lot of shame about that stuff. And and I would keep watching those shows. I still watch those shows. I love watching them because we love, I love watching friends. I love not the show friends, but like, I love watching (laughs) shows about friends where they're, they love each other and they support each other. Like who doesn't love that? But it can get really hard when you're like, it's great to watch this, but I want to live this. I want to experience it for real, not just through a TV. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about that. So you will find your friends is about making friends as an adult and how fraught hard it can be and some ways to sort of break out of that. Why do you think it can be so hard to make adult friends? I think it's a lot of reasons. You know, one of them is that uh, <laughs> it can't be denied. Like our 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 current state of capitalism sucks. It really sucks. We're being asked to work like sixty hours a week, maybe more, just to just to get by. That's really leaving us very little time to take care of ourselves, to find community. To I mean, that's supposed to be. That's supposed to be the point of life. I really think the point of life is to have these communities, to have, to feel like we have backup on backup. How can you do that when you're trying to work just to survive? I, I think that that can't be discounted. That is that is part of it. Um, and also so many of us, you know, don't live as close to each other as maybe like previous generations did where you all lived in, you know, maybe a little bit closer. I know I don't live that close to a lot of my friends. A lot of my friends are long distance. That's harder. Um, And then, you know, the other thing is a lot of us have been hurt a lot by past friends. And so when we get older, it's like, (laughs) you know, when you scraped your knee as a kid, it hurt, but like not necessarily as much as it hurts when you get older. Cause like, I don't know, like your body's different, all these things. Like it just that feels like that stuff hurts so much more and that lasts so much longer. And I think that that's true for like relational pain. Mm. So like we've had so many cuts and scrapes, I guess, essentially in our in our friendships as well, where a lot of our past friendships have left us feeling really scared to try again and really hurt. And understandably, we're like, yeah, I don't want to do that again. Whereas I think when you're, you know, eight. 15, you're like, I'll try again. Sure. It'll get better. But then I don't know, after 20, 30 years of that, you're like, maybe I won't. (laughs) Maybe this is, you know, and so it's, I think a lot of it is our culture. I think a lot of it is, um, and also a lot of it is our own pain and our own healing that we have to kind of do around that and rewire how we choose people, what we allow. It's, so much stickier than most people talk about. They're just like, oh, the social media. And I'm like, oh my God, it can't, it's not that easy. It's not that simple. (laughs) Let's take a quick break. Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd. March is Women's History Month. Let's celebrate us. As women, we put our heart and soul into everything we do. Release the Pressure is here to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. The RTP Heart Health Squad will support you in protecting your mental health and overall well-being. I'm inviting you to help us get 100,000 Black women to learn more about their heart health. Go to www.releasethepressure.org and take the pledge to prioritize your heart health. That's www.releasethepressure.org. You are valuable. 
Learn more about your heart health today. Okay, so I love the internet, but if you listen to this podcast, I probably don't need to tell you that it can come with a lot of very serious privacy concerns. The sad truth is being a traditionally marginalized person online or being an activist or even just somebody who sticks up for what you believe in means having to worry about what kind of information is online out there about us. It's something I think about a lot. And that's why I personally use and recommend Delete Me. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter nogirls at checkout, J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash nogirls, and we'll see you on the internet. As we celebrate International Women's Day and all the strides we've made, let's also take a moment to reflect on something important, the future of our self-care. You see, for too long, we've compromised on things that matter most, us, but not anymore. New Conair Girl Bomb is helping us embrace a new era of self-care and self-love. Girl Bomb represents a groundbreaking line of hair removal tools specifically designed for women. From the smoothest shave to the most precise trim, Conair Girl Bomb is all about making you feel empowered, confident, and unapologetically you. Whether it's creating a hype playlist, throwing yourself into a hobby, or scheduling some me time, self care is so important. With Conair Girl Bomb's ultimate Girl Bomb grip and professional grade blades, we're reclaiming our self care journey with precision and power, the kind we used to only get from men's tools. So head to Walgreens today and treat yourself to a little Conair Girl Bomb magic. Because when you look good, you feel good. And there's nothing more empowering than that. And we're back. My parents were what you might call keep-to-themselves types. We didn't have a house full of friends, and it just wasn't something I saw a lot of growing up. You could have acquaintances, sure, but we weren't really encouraged to really let people in, literally and metaphorically. It's something that still shapes the way I understand friendship today as an adult. There are so many things that we have to unlearn, interrogate, baggage we have to put down that kind of keeps us from showing up the way that we want. I know for me, I kind of was one of those, like my parents, they were the kind of people who didn't have friends. They had family. And so we had family around a lot, but they didn't really have any friends. They didn't really have people over that we were not blood relatives. And so I grew up in a household where... The norm was keeping to yourself. It was unusual to have non-blood people in your life popping over. And so that is the default that I always find myself going back to. And I have to really work to catch myself to unlearn it and say, you know, well, if somebody wants to come over, why why is my default being like, no, they can't? Or if, if somebody wants to get a drink, somebody I don't know very well, my I just feel this... What feels familiar is saying no, and I have to really step out of myself to interrogate why that is and interrogate if that is getting me to what the life that I actually want or a life that just feels like what I deserve. So that's, you know, I'm so glad that you said that because there's two things about that that are so important. One is we're only... For, for the most part, we're only going to have friendships that are what were modeled for us. So, you know, for many of us, the only friendships we saw were on TV, which or we saw our friend, our um, parents' friendships, if they had them or if they didn't, if they were good or if they were bad. So 
we're modeling that same thing. If our if our parents had weird friendships or didn't have a lot of friends, yeah, that's going to feel harder for us to navigate that. You know, we talk about that a lot when it comes to romantic relationships where we're like, oh, you learn what you know about romantic relationships from watching your parents' relationship. It's the same thing from friendships. It's the exact same thing. And then the other thing about that is that, you know, it's, it's, that's another part of those like old wounds. Like so much of the ways we interact with our friends are still reacting from that child place of like those wounds that we have around our attachment styles and the way that we were able to attach to our, our parents and the way that our parents interacted with us. We're still doing that. I wish it wasn't true because it feels rude, but, (laughs) but it's, it's true. I, I feels like such a, I'm really mad. You mentioned earlier that it's very easy to be like, oh, the problem is social media. And I completely agree with you that it's so much more complicated than that. We're all living in, we're all exhausted. We're all burnt out. Yeah, There's just so much going on. It's just so hard to be a fucking person these days. Yeah. Uh, but do, do you think that the internet and social media complicates, you know, the way that people are building relationships or not building relationships right now? I do. Absolutely. And so, you know, uh, I only I only reference that and you probably already you know knew this, but because so often when we talk about people struggling with things in our in our world, the people who are weighing in just make it like the simplest thing. They're not looking any deeper. And then it's just like, oh, just go do this. This is really easy. And I just hate that advice so much because um, there's all these pieces you have to look at. All, all, I have to look at all of them. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, social media is a double-edged sword for friendships, I think, because on one hand, you can make friendships with people who live far away who you might not have met, which is particularly vital for marginalized people who might not meet a lot of other people who are like them. I mean, that's a huge, huge thing. Um, so I can't discount that. I, I think that's also why I hate when people are like, social media is bad. I'm like, mm, a lot of people don't know anyone like them in their area. <laughs> this is a huge tool. You can't say that it's all bad. But on the other side of that, I know social media can also be this horrible source for comparison where we're constantly seeing people post their perfect, perfect friend group, having their perfect, perfect birthday parties and their perfect, perfect girls trips and all these things. And again, that shame comes back in and I'm like, they have it too. Everyone has it. Oh, like it's, and, and they, the thing is they might not even have it. They might not. Their friendships might be full of resentment and gossip and backbiting and, and unsaid things. It's very likely that they are, but if you're just scrolling through your phone, you're like, ugh, another reminder of what I want to have that I don't have. And they have it. It exists, you know? Yeah, I think I hadn't really even thought about that, of the way that that comparison aspect of social media really can make you feel more dug into your shame because you feel like you're alone. You feel like everybody else is hanging out without me, having brunch or (laughs) on a girl's trip to Rome or whatever. They're all on a boat and I'm in my apartment. And yeah, it, it really keeps us dug into the experience that we are the only people ha- like in experiencing these painful feelings when everybody, it doesn't matter who you are, everybody feels alone sometimes. Everybody feels disconnected and disengaged yeah. sometimes. It's true. It's true. And it's also like, you know, the people who don't have that, 
aren't going to post that. Like, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, post a photo of me with, you know, the, the friends I wish I was hanging out with are just dead space. I'm like me with my best friends on this boat. It's just like me alone. Like, like people who struggle with that aren't going to do that. Uh, cause there's no way to really effectively do that. And also, you know, so many people feel their own shame from not having that, that they don't want to necessarily broadcast it. But I think that's it too. You know, I always know, uh, that's the hardest thing, right? It's like the people who don't have something are not going to post that they don't have it. But I think the other thing that's tough about it too, is that so many people are posting it as sort of like a keeping up with the Joneses thing mm-hmm. where they're like, I have to post that I have really great friends. I have to do this. And it's so funny because <laughs> uh, when I, uh, I did a, a TV appearance for this book and my book publisher was like, was like, Hey, like the, uh, this like morning show wants you to uh, give us some photos of you and your friends so that we can put them up there. And I was like, Fun fact, I have no photos of me with my friends. I don't even know where I would like, I maybe have some like after comedy shows or something like that. But when I'm hanging out with my friends, we don't take photos. I don't really do that. And so some people like to do it. I'm not saying that people who do that are, it's like put upon, but I don't think to do that when I'm hanging out with a group of people, I'm like, all right, photo to prove this happened. Like I, I, I don't, but then when you don't have those photos and you don't have those posts, you're like, and I don't, I don't know if that one is, if other people feel like that, but then you're like, oh, I don't have those photos. Are those friendships real? And it's like, of course they are. You're just not, do you know what I mean? It's, it's a, it's a Absolutely. Yeah. I know for, and again, I'm, I'm not knocking anybody who is someone who likes to document their Yeah, it's fine. That's just not what I do. And I'm like, why do I, why don't I do that? And why don't I have those? Why don't I have proof? Why can't I show this proof that I have friends? Yeah, if I'm having a truly good time with friends, I'm probably, my phone is probably deep in my yeah. bag and I'm not thinking about it. Like, if that, like to me, that is the marker of ha- me that I'm really Same. engaged is that I, I wasn't even thinking about we have to document this. I'm just like Same. fully present. And so if there's ever an event where there's tons of photos taken by me, that's probably a signal that I maybe wasn't as engaged or as present yes, as I otherwise exactly. could have been. Yeah, no, absolutely. But but again, it's like, that's why I love talking about things like this, because I think there are a lot of us out there who feel like that. But if nobody talks about it, then you're just sitting there being like, everyone's having fun with their friends. Everyone remembers to take photos. Everyone's having so much fun. They can't help but take photos. Like you tell yourself these stories and you're like, well, I had a lot of fun and I was very present and I didn't take photos or I felt like it'd be awkward to take a photo or I I don't know. I overthought it in some way. And then you're like, was I not having enough fun to necessitate photos? And why did that? Like you, again, just this, like trying to be this version of normal that doesn't really exist because you feel this way. I feel this way. Other people feel this, but we're still holding ourselves up to like what we see. Everyone feels lonely sometimes. And according to a 2020 survey from the insurance company Cigna, Gen Z is lonelier than older generations, with 73% of Gen Z respondents reporting that they feel alone either sometimes or always, the highest level of any generation. Now, it's easy to blame smartphones and social media, and that might be part of it, but Lane says it's more complicated than that. Your book is about making friends as an adult, but I often wonder... The younger generation, like teenagers, 
how are they navigating this incredibly fraught dynamic that we navigate? I mean, I'll speak for myself. I navigate poorly as an adult. (laughs) I wonder (laughs) how the younger generation who has grown up seeped in this, this has been their reality for most of their, their lives. How are they navigating it, do you think? I think it's one of those things like from people that I've talked to, um, even just like on this book tour, like, you know, having people's parents be like, hey, can you uh, I bought this book for my daughter or my son who's really struggling with their friendships right now. Can you sign it to them? And I was like, oh, God, yes. Like, can I send a hug with this? Because I just I think some things change and some things stay very much the same, you know, where it's like there's still bullying, there's still uh, people being too weird to have friends, too different to have friends. There's still, and then I think you have the added thing that I truly can't imagine, which is social media of that. I can't imagine being a teenager or a, a, a around that age and feeling like I had to follow all the popular kids on social media. Like when I think about it, I'm just like, I would, and then like, if one of your friends unfollowed you, like that feels bad now as an adult, but at 15, I think I would have lost it. Like, you know, we had our, our own versions of this stuff, but I think it's so additive and also, you know, filters. Like I, I, there's so many things that I just feel like can warp, you know, and there's, it's, I, I'm not, it's not being like, oh, you're grasping at straws to say that filters are really affecting children. Like, you know, we know that there are like more and more like kids, like people under 18 are like getting plastic surgery and stuff. There's no way that's not because they're like, oh, I look better with this filter. Like, you know, there's just, I feel like it's got, it's got to be really rough, but you know, I, I don't, I still feel like I understand it. Like as much as it's easy to be like, oh, it's probably so different from when we were kids. I don't know. I've, I've, I've talked to teenagers and, and kids and stuff about their friendships and things like that. And a lot of the stuff that's not really what they, uh, necessarily bring up the most. I think it's Hmm. a lot of the stuff just stays the same where it's like, you know, their friends were their friends and then they suddenly all turned on them and started bullying them. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I've been through that. Like, you know, a lot of the stuff stays the same. You wish it, didn't you wish it would get better? But I don't know. So I I, I feel like, yeah, if, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like a lot of ways it's the same stuff Yeah, that happened. It speaks back to your point about how it's easy to cling to the simplistic answer of like, it's social media. That's what's doing it. Right. Yeah. More after a quick break. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd. March is Women's History Month. Let's celebrate us. As women, we put our heart and soul into everything we do. Release the Pressure is here to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. The RTP Heart Health Squad will support you in protecting your mental health and overall well-being. I'm inviting you to help us get 100,000 Black women to learn more about their heart health. Go to www.releasethepressure.org and take the pledge to prioritize your heart health. That's www.releasethepressure.org. You are valuable. Learn more about your heart health today. As we celebrate International Women's Day and all the strides we've made, let's also take a moment to reflect on something important, the future of our self-care. You see, for too long, we've compromised on things that matter most, us. 
but not anymore. New Conair Girl Bomb is helping us embrace a new era of self care and self love. Girl Bomb represents a groundbreaking line of hair removal tools specifically designed for women. From the smoothest shave to the most precise trim, Conair Girl Bomb is all about making you feel empowered, confident, and unapologetically you. Whether it's creating a hype playlist, throwing yourself into a hobby, or scheduling some me time, self care is so important. With Conair Girl Bomb's ultimate Girl Bomb grip and professional grade blades, we're reclaiming our self care journey with precision and power, the kind we used to only get from men's tools. So head to Walgreens today and treat yourself to a little Conair Girl Bomb magic. Because when you look good, you feel good, and there's nothing more empowering than that. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B, and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. Let's get right back into it. I was thinking back to a memory when I was in junior high at camp. The Our version of following the popular people in on social media was after somebody had a wild weekend out they would bring like a like a stack of of physical photos of like all the memories and I remember being at a lunch table and there was a a girl doing that and she had like a stack of photos and all of her friends were sitting around her looking through these photos laughing thinking oh how so great and I was like oh can I see and she said to me if I wanted everybody to see I would be passing them around and so like it it like that it I think Kids are probably having that same vibe on social media, and it probably feels inflamed or heightened, but it's not new. You know, everybody's experienced that. It's just like right. social media makes you so much more hyper aware of it. Yes, that's that's really all it is. You can see more tangible stuff because, you know, um, when I was a kid and someone was like not talking to me or giving me the cold shoulder or whatever, like I didn't need to see that they'd like unfollowed me or whatever. It was like, oh, you could feel that they'd unfollowed you, you in real life. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, you've, this is wild. Cool. 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 Like the yeah. IRL unfollow. Yeah. Like you knew, you knew when you'd been unfollowed and you are like, what did I, and you like, can't, you want to ask what you did, but you can't. And it's like, you know, when you look at it that way, you're like, you know, stuff on, at a basic human level, stuff hasn't changed that much. And, you know, it's all the same. It's all the same stuff that it was where it's like, those are people who have their own pain and they're trying to have power over somebody else and, you know, what whatever it is. And it's boringly human. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you touch on this in the book, but one of the things that I find so interesting is the ways that the way that we build friendships is really gendered. And so I I think, you know, women are sort of told 
You can make friends, but this is just like a placeholder. You'll meet, then you'll meet your romantic yep. partner. Y'all will get married, and that's the real prize. Yep. You know, in what ways do you think that the way the way that like we that different genders are told to think about friendships in their life? How do you see this as all as all a gendered thing that's playing out? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just the way that we're we're socialized. You know, um, I know there are so many men out there who men, men, when it comes to their friendships, like they're, they're told that like, it can't be that emotional. It has to just be like watching the game together and, and all of that stuff. And this, like, you know, you don't hug and you don't cry and you don't, we don't talk about our feelings. Oh, like we don't do any of that stuff. And so where, what are men doing with those feelings? Because men have feelings, all genders experience emotion. Like it's just so, so harmful, so unnecessary, you know? And so then a lot of those men are going and they're, they're trying to do that with their female partners because that's the only, they know women understand that, but that's a lot of pressure to put on the women in your life. And then they don't really know how to be friends with a woman because they're told that women are not your friends. They are supposed to be sex objects in, in this way or, or romantic objects, all these things. You can't, women can't be people. So, you know, it, there's all these conflicting messages that they're given. And I really, I really empathize with it because I empathize with the, with the men who are doing their best to unlearn that shit because it's not, it's not anyone's fault that these ideas have been placed in the world, but it is our responsibility to unlearn them. That's just the way it is. So, you know, I have, I have a lot of empathy for men who are like, this is a really lonely existence. I want to have close friendships. I want to have friendships like women are allowed to have friendships. And it's like, yeah, this, this kind of thinking limits everybody. And then, you know, women again, yeah, exactly. Are, are told the, the same uh, the same thing in a different way where it's like, oh yeah, you can be like close and intimate, but like really your partner should be your whole world. And like, he should get, which if you think about what those two genders are being told. So like, we're supposed to save all our energy for our male partner who doesn't know how to talk about his feelings. So mm. like, what, <laughs> what, what is this? Who doesn't know how to have a friendship outside of chest bumps? Like, and you know, like what? It's just all, it's not working for us. And, you know, that's why it was important for me to talk about things like this in the book, because to take it from this personal, you know, this personal thing that we're making bad choices, this personal shame. And it's like, no, no, we have a bunch of things constructed here that are really flawed and difficult to navigate. It makes sense that people are struggling. In my other life, I do a lot of work around combating extremism and how people kind of like fall down dangerous rabbit holes online. And like, that is definitely, if you're an adult, like it is your responsibility to not, to like not do that. But time and time again, the research indicates that loneliness, when you combine men who are, or even anybody really, but people who are lonely with the internet, people who don't have strong connections in their lives, that is like a recipe for people falling down dangerous ideologies online. And so yeah. all of this is important, not just for the people that you you know want to have fulfilling, meaningful relationships and full lives, but it's important to all of us. Like it makes us less safe as a culture when 
people are social, when men especially are socialized to not have those connections because the research is just very clear that it opens up a pathway to much more dangerous and potentially harmful, violent ways of thinking and being in the world. Yes. No, absolutely. I mean, I I think that's why, like, (laughs) we have to stop looking at it like, you know, it's everyone for themselves. I mean, and and I, that was something that had frustrated me my whole life because I think I just, I, as this like very soft hearted little kid, I was like, but aren't we like all supposed to like help each other? And like, I look back at that. I'm like, oh, you're in for a rough road. <laughs> and then you're thinking like that at like seven. That's not how people are thinking. But there is this idea of like, that's your business. And this is my business. And well, I don't know if he doesn't, you know, have any help. That's not my problem. And it's like, if we had a sense of community, no one would be left behind. No one would be ostracized. No one would be like, you're different from me. You're bad. We wouldn't see each other as as a competition. We would see each other as, you know, it, it, it sounds kind of hippie, but does it sound kind of, you know, hippies had a lot of good points. I, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, it's, I'm, I'm not trying to sound too like woo, but I think it's, it's really true. I, I think if we had more compassion and less limits and we know why those limits were put there, they were put there. I think that's something I have to remind myself of. I'm like, we know that, you know, all of these, like, well, I'm different from this person and this person's different and they're bad. And like all this stuff was not created by us and was created, you know, to sell us stuff, to make people mad, to distract people from other issues. It's like, you know, I don't want to, go down that rabbit hole either. But it's, it's something that helps me when I think about it. Cause I'm just like, how did we get these ideas that like each other are the problem? You know mm. what I mean? And it's like the, the men you're talking about who go down this extremist place. I'm like, Oh, what if you could be angry at the systems that created this? How much more productive would that be? And how much more community, positive community would you have? Like the men who are like, women are the problem. I hate this, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh my God, if you could see that like the ways that you have been socialized to think that men have to be this way, women have to be like, that, that's the problem. You're putting it on the wrong person, man. You know, it's, 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 it's tough because we can't, you know, we can only do so much work on that. And again, that, that really is when it's like, Hopefully everybody's doing that own work and and gets to that realization as soon as they can, because like more divisiveness, more hatred, more rage, more violence, it's never going to bring you more joy. It's never going to bring you more community. Not in a not in a good way. Like, (laughs) (laughs) So what tips do you have for folks listening on how to make friends as an adult? Yeah. um, So one of the things that. I talk a lot about uh, in the book is things like attachment styles and love languages, which we talk so much about in romantic relationships, but we don't talk about it when it comes to our friendships. Because again, we we have this idea that your romantic relationships should take work and your friendship should just be easy and have no communication. And that is garbage. Um, so really looking at the ways that you give and receive love and the ways that your friends give and receive love, really just trying to understand people a little bit more because your friendships 
our relationships. I, I, I know it's really easy to, to want that friend who just gets you and you never have to explain it. I've wanted that my whole life where I'm like, I want everyone to know what I need and I never want to talk about it ever. But, you know, part of growth is realizing like I could keep doing that and expecting that or like, what are the ways I need to communicate a little bit more? What are the ways I need to say, even if it sucks, even if I've done it before and it didn't go well? I, I think a lot of it is trying things in new ways, trying to relate to people in new ways, trying to relate to the pe current people in your life in new ways, trying to, you know, maybe meet different kinds of people than the ones that, going back to what we were talking about earlier, so many of us have this set pattern where we're like, oh, I'm always this friend. And like, you know, I'm always the one who gives more. I'm always the one who like takes care of them and they don't take care of me. And then we repeat these patterns to like prove it's true. It's not conscious. I've done it. It's it's not coming from a place of like, oh, you stupid unhealed people do this. No, no, no. It's like, <laughs> it's extremely, because that's how people talk about it. You know, like a lot of experts are like, well, if you're an idiot, then you're doing this. And I'm like, be quiet, Beth. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> but like, it's just so, it lacks any empathy. Like, you know, everything I'm talking about is something I've like lived and struggled with and had to learn because because I've, I've done it. So it's, you know, um, but we have to take a look at that and say, oh, okay, maybe there's more work that I have to do uh, on myself. Maybe there's more boundaries that I have to set up. So I think that, you know, obviously I, I could give the advice, uh, like, like people love to give the throwaway advice of like, go to a bar, talk to somebody. I don't think the pro the reason I don't give that advice other than I just think it's oversimplified and kind of worthless is that <laughs> is that I don't think people's problem is meeting people. I don't think that's it. I don't think the hard thing about making friends is that you're not meeting someone. I think the hard thing often comes with finding people who are compatible. You want to be their friend, maybe they don't want to be yours, whatever. Um having better dynamics in that friendship, having like communicating better, having somebody who can meet your needs. I think it's all these things and then growing and changing with that friend, knowing how to let it go when it happens. So I think it really is just a lot of work that you're doing on yourself and then a lot of work you're doing with that other person. Not necessarily bad work, but I just, again, I, I don't think it stops as like, oh, you need to meet people. It's like, well, yes. But what do you do when you meet people? How do you change what you do when you meet people? Because we all have our own little patterns that like we can meet someone and then we still do the little thing that we do with them that might not be good for us, you know? Yeah, it really comes back to like being curious and introspective about your patterns, how you show yes. up, if that's working for you, I think. Yes, I think that's so much of it. And it's like, it sounds like, we we want the easy answer. I think that that is why so many of those experts who are like, oh, I'll tell you right now, go to a bar, go to this specific bar. That's why people love stuff like that because people, so many people have been conditioned, because I don't blame them, have been conditioned to want the like cheapest, simplest answer because we want something that's like, you know, we want, we want to be able to say, I'm lonely. I want to be able to take something right now that'll make me stop being lonely. We want something that's easy and, you know, that's it. And so 
but that's not true. That's not real. And the real truth of it is that it's messier than that. It's more personal than that. And it's harder than that, but I'd rather do the real true healing around that to have better friendships than to do kind of like a band-aid that covers up the wound and you just have to keep getting more band-aids. Like, mm. yeah. Speaking of wounds, I have to ask <laughs> you about Tinder Live. Yes. So it, that was my first foray into your work. Uh, nice. I am obsessed with it. Um, yeah, thanks. So here's my question. For people yeah. who are on the apps, like Tinder Live, it really shows you how horrible <laughs> online mm-hmm. dating can be. Yeah. The piece I mentioned a piece about going on Tinder in San Francisco, especially, I was like, ooh, I lived there for a while. I oh, know exactly yeah. that, you know, like I own a tech company, but I also go hiking. Ugh. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm for unique. Some, yes. I'm not like uh, the other men. Yeah. I'm not like, like the other I'm boys. Out, <laughs> I'm out in nature, honey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you, what advice do you have for someone who just like cannot swipe past another bad Tinder or Hinge profile? They're just fucking done. I know somebody out there is is like, that is me. What should that yeah. person do? You don't have to. You don't have to. I mean, I think that's, that's really so much of it. Like, you know, I love, I love doing Tinder live because it makes people feel less alone in that. Um, it, it it makes people realize they're not the only one getting the bad messages. They're not the only one doing these things. But uh, if someone's not getting something out of that, they're allowed to stop. Like there's this idea that we have, and and this is put on everybody, but it's put on women especially. Where like you have to keep trying. If you stop, if you stop trying, you're never gonna find. Them. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And so it's like. There's so many of us out there. I've been there many times myself um, where, you know, I'm, I mean, it's fun. It's funny to say, but like, I'm only on those apps for work. I'm only <laughs> on those apps for Tinder Live. I don't, you know, I'm like, I do my comedy show. That's it. Um, but it is funny because like when I go on tour with Tinder Live, I'll be in like a coffee shop in like Chicago and I'm like swiping ferociously. And I feel like there's probably someone behind me being like, wow, she's just like really horny this morning. And I'm like, no, I'm here. This is for work. <laughs> and then it's like, how would I even explain what that work is with that? Like, I don't even know. But, you know, it's okay to be like, maybe this isn't for me. This doesn't feel good. I'm going to stop doing it. I can, it's, it sounds simple. And it doesn't mean it is simple to do, but yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that. Like hustle harder mindset of like, I don't know, just do it twice as much. It's like, wait, what? No, it's someone doesn't feel good. So you should stop. You're allowed. I think knowing you're allowed to stop and it doesn't mean you're going to definitely die alone now because you stopped doing something that didn't feel good for you. I think that's such a toxic notion. And also, you know, if you're a romantic at all, or you believe in fate at all, which, you know, I do to some extent, like, I don't know, my soulmate can find me some other way then. Like, figure something out, babe. I'm taking a break. (laughs) Maybe at a coffee shop. I don't know. We are in what feels like a very weird time when it comes to the internet, technology, social media, apps, dating. What do you see as the future of connection as it pertains online, especially like, we're in this in this weird moment. How do you think that's going to affect 
the way that people connect or don't connect? I really don't know. I really don't know because, you know, I talk to um, a lot of Gen X people, especially who haven't like been on dating apps um, and stuff. A lot, you know, a lot of them have, but people who've like never been on dating apps and only knew what it was like. Because like, you know, I've, I've been on, like, I've had the internet my whole life. So it's like, to me, like, that's not that strange. But if you didn't have the internet your whole life, and you only met people in person ever, like I've had long distance friends since I was a child. So to me, it's not that weird. But when I talk to them, they're like, I don't understand. Why can't you just go talk to someone at a bar? If you see someone hot, just go up to them. And I'm, <laughs> as someone who's grown up so much on the internet, I'm like, Ugh. like, like <laughs> and I'm sure that's going to be the future generation as well. It's just like, are you kidding me? No, you know, uh, when you've grown up with that. So I don't know where it's going because do I think that they're right in that it is better to meet people in person? Of course. But like, I don't know, social anxiety, being tired, again, the same kinds of problems. So I don't know. I really don't know where it's going to go. I hope it goes somewhere good. I, I It probably will be some kind of return to something in person because, I don't know, technology has made our lives better in a lot of ways, but it's also just like, I think it makes it worse Some in others. It just does. It's like you can't, I don't know that you can, yeah, I don't know that you can make it easier necessarily. And I think even the ones that like promise to do that, it still just feels exhausting to so many of us. So it's like, oh no, this makes it better. And I'm like, not if me and everyone I know feels really tired when they use it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Everyone is so exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel like, that deep I don't in think my another bones. app is it. I don't think that's like it. I don't know. And also, you know, if it was, it wouldn't make any money because people would be like, I found a friend. I'm, I'm good. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, that's it. So it would have to be like, some billionaire philanthropist who like made a really good app he didn't need to make money on. Like, and I don't know that we're going to get that anytime soon, but yeah. The book is You Will Find Your People. Uh, where can folks pick it up and learn more? Yeah. Um, so you can get it at any local bookstore. Um, I have links on my website, lanemore.org, and in all my social media links too at Hello Lane Moore. And then it's uh, available uh, on hardcover and also there's an audiobook that I read as well um so you can with yeah, great vo- like impressions and stuff like yeah uh, good, <laughs> a lot you. of good vocal flourishes in the audiobook thank version. you yes I I I love I love doing those little impressions of like being able to you know if I had someone I passed who was like kind of a dick be like oh man this is how his voice sounded <laughs> <laughs> feels like a little win you're like that is how you sounded to me <laughs> I love it. Lane, is there anything that I did not ask that you want to make sure it gets included? Um, I'll tell people because I always uh, I was always forgetting to say this. And I'm like, no, remember to say this. Um, I have a podcast I do on Patreon called I Thought It Was Just Me, where uh, people can call in and ask questions and we answer them on the show. I do bits of Tinder Live where I uh, review chaotic profiles and we do a really cool segment called what are we where people can call in and tell me about all their weird situationships and I give you a very legally binding judges ruling about <laughs> what you are just so fun and I, I started it recently and I was like you need to be telling people about this more because it's so great and there's a really great community of people on there and we just like yeah it's really wonderful 
Got a story about an interesting thing in tech or just want to say hi? You can reach us at hello at tangodi.com. You can also find transcripts for today's episode at tangodi.com. There Are No Girls on the Internet was created by me, Bridget Todd. It's a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. Jonathan Strickland is our executive producer. Tari Harrison is our producer and sound engineer. Michael Amato is our contributing producer. I'm your host, Bridget Todd. If you want to help us grow, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd. March is Women's History Month. Let's celebrate us. As women, we put our heart and soul into everything we do. Release the Pressure is here to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. I'm inviting you to help us get 100,000 Black women to learn more about their heart health. Go to www.releasethepressure.org and take the pledge to prioritize your heart health. That's www.releasethepressure.org. You are valuable. Learn more about your heart health today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now.